What is it like to have millions admire images of you? What is it like to be whisked away to the world's most interesting cities and exotic locations? For most of us, we steadily row through life, and such things are but a dream. In the 1990s, runways from New York to Milan were the ultimate stage for showcasing the world's top fashion brands. Scores of women vied for the opportunity to model the world's most exclusive garments. The industry promised wealth, fame, and opportunity, but only if you could fit its preferred and prescribed mold. Most models were required to fit height and weight requirements, ultimately denying a plethora of women the opportunity to share their talents. This antidotal approach, however, would be short-lived. The 90s would see the rise of what would be coined plus-size models. One of the models to push the boundaries and emerge at the head of the pack was Wendy Brooks, a Toronto-based beauty of Jamaican heritage. Now retired, I sat with her on a bright Sunday morning overlooking the turquoise waters of the Caribbean Sea to discuss her rapid rise and years of success in the fashion industry. I am Crispin Brooks, and this is Planet 30. So, Wendy Brooks, what's your story? Like, where are you from? Uh, tell us about childhood and everything. Okay, um, I was born in Jamaica, but I was conceived in England. Because <laughs> my mom and dad, um, I'm the third daughter. I came really quick um, in my mom's womb, so she needed some help. So she decided to go back to Jamaica to have me there so she had more support from her family. I moved to um, Canada when I was approximately, um, wait, I moved from Jamaica when I was one, then I moved to Canada, I moved to England, then I moved from England to Canada when I was five, and then just recently, um, I decided to move to Anguilla. So, yeah, there's a lot going on. <laughs> how, did you, how did you get into the modeling world? I was, um, I was, really struggling at a certain time in my life when um, I had had a, a child. I had a child really young. And me and my husband, we didn't have a lot of money, so I went in this um, beauty contest for automobile thing, like an automobile contest, beauty contest, where you put on a bikini and you pose by the car and everything, and just to win a trip to Mexico, because we never went on a vacation, so we really want to go on a vacation. And there, an agent um, came up to me and said, get out of this, you, you're not meant for this, you know? You're a quality person, you need, to, you need to try modeling. So that person got me a photographer, I went and shot the pictures, and then I remember it was a Sunday and I got a phone call, who the F are you? The person, I answered the phone, the phone and the person said, who the F are you? I said, I'm the girl you said to go on. That's you? They were like, oh my God. They said, we have, um, we have Flair Magazine, the top fashion magazine in Toronto, wants to do a spread on you. I said, what? So it happened like really, really fast. So I got into the agency and um, I started modeling in Toronto. Yeah. And then I modeled in Toronto for about maybe two years and I realized the market was too small. So I went to New York. 
I uh, met with all of the agencies and one gave me a really, really, really good feeling and it was Beth Ann Hardison. And uh, I started my career with her and it just went, it was fast, like zoom. Like I was doing big campaigns right away. Boom, boom. What are some of the campaigns? Um, well, my, the most noted ones that I've done is L'Oreal. I did L'Oreal Feria before Beyonce. <laughs> she stole my job. <laughs> um, I've done Virginia Slims. I've done, um, oh my goodness, so many campaigns. Um, Macy's, Bloomingdale's, JCPenney's. I did a lot of commercial print. I can't lie. I've done Runway. Um, runway wasn't a big, big thing for me. Um, more so, I was more the girl that everybody used for advertising. So if there was an advertising gig and I went on the audition, there was a thousand girls, I knew I was getting that job because I, for some reason my personality and I guess my energy just drew people in and that's how I, I, I had my successes through a lot of advertising. You name it, I've done it. Yeah. Um, what are some of your fondest uh, memories? Uh, from modeling? I would have to say the locations that I, I got to go to. Oh my goodness. I've been to South Africa. I've been to um, Tunisia. I've been to Tulum, Mexico. I've been to, oh my goodness, um, many, many, many places. And it's a travel. And the people that I get to meet. And the cultures that I get to experience. And just the knowledge that I get from just honestly traveling the world and seeing how other people live and realizing and being grateful inside for where I am and what I have. Mm-hmm. Uh, who are some of your favorite designers? Well, I'm going to have to say my cousin right now. I have a, I have a cousin who, um, who's a, the top fashion designer in Toronto. It's, it's Greta Constantine. And he's doing looks that are just amazing for all different types and shapes of bodies. But if I'm going to be, you know, like more honest about my, what I love about, um, I would say uh, I love Chloe. Chloe is one of my top ones. Love her. Um, I like, um, oh my goodness, so many brands. But Chloe is one of my number one brands. And Louis Vuitton, obviously. <laughs> How can people who are different, whether ethnically or shape-wise, et cetera, et cetera, overcome the bias in, in the fashion industry that we've been hearing about so much because you transitioned from what they I guess quote unquote a regular model to mm-hmm. plus size at a time when that was like almost not heard of mm-hmm. I believe it truly comes from within comes from honesty being honest with yourself understanding the business looking at the business and saying where do I fit into this and really going towards that because if you try to fit into something that you're not fitting into it's not going to work so when I transitioned from straight size to plus size I had to be honest with myself and I went into the agency I said you know what measure my hips because I've been trying to be this girl this sideways model because I was modeling always sideways you know because I was wider and my shoulders are bigger and you know just a bigger girl and um, they realize, oh, you are a plus size model. And you know how hard that was for my friends and my family to accept that I was going into plus size? They're like, oh, that is just, no, you can't do that. No, why would you stop yourself? If you can fit into the market in a way that's unusual and different and tap into that and, and excel, why not? And that's exactly what I did. 
I had a whole nother career because I was being honest with myself. So the answer is be honest with yourself. Know the business and know, know where you fit into that and, and go for it. Just to piggyback on the whole plus size thing. Well, what, just what's considered plus size? Anything over a size eight. Really? Yes. <laughs> yes. I thought it, it was like 14 or 16. No. Or well, listen, this is what they, when I started plus size, I was probably a size eight, a size eight. And, but my hips measured a 41 and a half because right. I got the donkey donk, the right, booty, right. right? So it's not really like when you look at me front ways, you're not going to say, oh, I'm wide. But if you look at me sideways, you know, you're going to see the butt, right? Right, right, right? So, and what they did, um, I might be straying from the question, but what is really interesting is they'll pad up a girl like me, a size eight girl. Well, now I'm not a size eight. I'm a little bit bigger than a size eight, but they'll pad us up and call that plus size. Then you'll have girls that really don't need padding. And photographers are scared to shoot bigger girls. That's the truth. I'm just telling you the truth. Why is that? Well, when, when you're bigger, you look good naked. Right? Mm. It's just the way it is. When, as a woman, when you're smaller, you look good in clothes. So, you know, a lot of photographers can't handle when, okay, a girl puts something on and then it's just not looking right on her body. They just, they, they just don't want to shoot it. Right? Mm. They don't want to say that. So that's why they get the smaller girls because the silhouette's smaller. Then they just pat us up in the areas like a hip. A breast, you know what I mean? A shoulder, like, and make it look, oh, she's still got a slim face with a, you know, with all so, these curves. So there's a lot of padding. A lot of manipulation. Both straight feet. size and plus size, a lot of manipulation. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's such a strange message because here you are, you're a plus size girl, and you come to work and you got to put on pa- pads. They, they want you to put extra hair because apparently if you're big, you got big hair, big boobs, big butt. Like... It's really, it's a really huge discussion, that whole thing about plus size. It's yeah. really, it's something. And there's trends. Sometimes they want girls that are size 14. Sometimes they want girls that are size 8. They've even had girls as a size 6, okay? And calling them plus size. Mostly in Europe. Not so much in America. And that's where I did my biggest, like when I started plus size, I was always in England. Always. I was always in England or Europe or somewhere. Milan, I wasn't mostly in the U.S. doing plus because I wasn't big enough for the American market. But for the, for the Europe market, I was considered obese, <laughs> you know? Wow. Yeah. You know, when I, when I first started modeling, I, I, can't, I, I couldn't believe what the agent was telling me. They told me, you are huge. And I was a size six. I was a size six. And I really thought I was overweight. I thought... But then I realized, no, you know, I, I had to bring it in and say, this is the industry. It's not, it's not reality, okay? Mm-hmm. It's fantasy. Just like fashion. Fashion is a dream that people are creating, okay? Yeah. God. So <laughs> sick. I, I know. For real, I'm not even kidding. Like, no. This, look, this girl is a plus-size model. Did you know that? No. Yeah, this is plus-size. Good happening. I'm not lying. She's plus size. That's plus size. Look, read it. They consider that plus size. <laughs> Five foot ten to the sixty, I guess. Yeah. So if you if you see a, a regular model, like a real 
a model that's, you know, going places, she's going to be a size two. If she could be a zero, that would be wonderful for them. That's just unattainable if what, you're... What do you think about, what do you think about the whole, um, you know, more, the acceptance of body image? I think it's, oh, I think it's transitioned and it's become amazing, yeah. to be honest. I'm, I'm one of the examples of it. When I was modeling and doing great, and then I had a trip up in my life, like I got a divorce and things happened, and I came to Anguilla actually to heal, and I started eating. <laughs> and I gained some pounds, it's and I thought, oh yeah, and I thought to myself, you know, what am I going to do, you know? And there it was. There was a place for me. I just didn't, I didn't really know it because a lot of people don't talk about that, about plus size. Everyone's so scared, you know? How do you, how do you even discover Anguilla? Um, a girlfriend of mine, uh, named Rochelle, um, she, we were both with Beth Ann Hardison, and she would always say to me, you need to come to Anguilla and visit, you know, because I brought her to Jamaica, and she said Jamaica was uncivilized. She said, come to my civilized country. So I was on a modeling gig in Miami, and I flew over, and uh, I fell in love with the island right away, like immediately. That's when there was dirt roads and... Oh, man. <laughs> I loved it. What year do you think you remember? Um, my man would tell you, my Anguillian man would tell you, um, 1998? Oh, he's not listening. I think 1998. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it was more like 96. <laughs> what are some of your, fav- uh, your, your favorite campaigns that you've done? And also um, some of your accomplishments. One of some, my favorite campaign would have to be for a company called Simply Be, um, Simply Be UK. Um, I was on most of their covers of their, um, like it was a major catalog in in the UK, and it was all about plus size women and stuff like that. And they they really got into my who I was, what I was about. They did interviews, so you know, the consumer who I was selling these clothes to and selling this dream and selling the lifestyle got to know me and I really felt like I was inspiring people and I was making a difference instead of just being the face, just smiling and nobody gets to hear and what you have to say and stuff like that. So that, to me, was one of my biggest accomplishments. Yeah. Cool. Have you ever thought about... Oh, wait, I have another one. Good. I'm sorry. Clairol, how can I forget this? I represented Clairol at the Essence Awards when they had Michael Jackson. They were, Michael Jackson, they were doing a whole debut for Michael Jackson, and I was the girl, and I sat behind Michael Jackson, and I'm still screaming about it. <laughs> I forgot that. <laughs> have, have you ever thought about designing? Yes, I have. I really have. Um, now that I live in Anguilla, I really want to um, start a swimsuit line, like a swimsuit line that is conducive to all body types, and it's more like wearing um, your underwears than wearing a bathing suit, because, you know, women look so great in lingerie, why can't our bathing suits look as great as our lingerie? So yes, there's that, there's that, yeah. How do you think your cultural background, uh, how does it influence your sense of style? Ooh, I think... um, Okay, I'm Jamaican, British descent. I would say it. I love gold, okay? A mm. lot of people don't wear real jewelry, but I just can't bear to wear fake jewelry. So, like, I, ha- I have a lot of, ju- like, jewelry, like, beautiful pieces that people think is fake, but I just, I put it on my wrists, and I'm a bangle girl, bracelet, diamonds. 
<laughs> That's so Caribbean. Very Caribbean. <laughs> Very Caribbean. That, in that sense, I'm, I'm a little bit blingy, but not obnoxious bling. Very delicate bling. <laughs> I think you kind of answered this before, but... Um, okay. Uh, how has the, the industry changed since when you were there? And I guess you can comment on the, mm. the rise of the Ashley Grahams and whoever else. Well, diversity has happened. And yes, Ashley Graham, I modeled with her, oh my God, for years and years and years. She is, um, I would say, a trailblazer of change. And she, she gives it to you and she lets you know, look, here we are and this is what we're doing. I love the diversity, but I don't see why it's such a big deal. To me, I think um, diversity really should mean acceptance of all. If you've got the right height, you've got the right attitude, and you, you've studied your craft a little bit, everyone should have an opportunity. That's how I feel about it. But diversity has, has come along in a good way, I think. I really do. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite era in fashion? Hmm. I guess I love seeing Versace when he was like... He was doing his thing, and he had Linda Vandalisten, Naomi Campbell, Claudia Schiffer, those girls, and they had those dresses. I mean, that was amazing. And I love Roberto Cavalli days, like when he was, those gowns, and yeah. So I don't know what year that is, but I'd have to say it's when, it's those, those women, those collections. Late of women. 80s, early 90s. Yes, exactly, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. which was the, I guess, the... Yeah, the, su- the, the supermodel time. Let me show you, let me show you something. I'll be right back. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. The girls. Those were the supermodels. That's Naomi. Yeah. So... That's got Christy Brinkley. So that, yeah, that's Stephanie Seymour, Christy Brinkley, Christy, no, Cindy Crawford, Christy Brinkley, Naomi Campbell, and I forget her name. I forget, I... I don't know. I can't remember her name. I should, but you I don't. Claudia Schiffer's there, right? No, Claudia Schiffer's not in this no. one. But isn't that amazing? Yeah. This is the era that I love. That should have been Claudia Schiffer. She was probably out on a booking. <laughs> she was probably busy. Yeah. That's early to answer. What can people, um, in particular people of color, uh, do to enter and succeed in the model industry. Not just enter, but succeed. Well, first things first is project yourself as an individual, as a human. Don't focus on your, your, your color. But, I mean, I guess I'm answering the question wrong. Hmm. I think it's, you have to, first of all, believe in yourself and know where you're going. Have a direction. Have a sense of knowledge about what it is that you're entering into try to um connect yourself with good people and move forward in a positive way you know expect success put that in your head and move forward in that direction expect it and you shall receive it tell us a little bit about what it's like to be a model dealing with designers because we always hear about Oh, the model life is this, blah, blah, blah. But you never really hear about the, the, the relationship between designers and models. Like, what are some of the, the do's and don'ts of dealing with designers in particular? Well, with designers, it's, a, it's an intimate relationship because you're basically a chameleon. Uh, you're, you're a chameleon for them. Also, you're kind of a hanger as well. So it's best to keep your thoughts to yourself 
stay positive, take direction, and, and represent that designer properly. You know, if you're wearing that person's clothes and they're putting you out there, you represent 100% and you keep, you keep on your game, okay? It's not about you, it's about them. And I think um, the relationship between a, a designer and a model, it's, like I said, very intimate, very special. And when you're chosen, to whom much is given, much is required. So, yeah. Um... What do you think of like Project Runway? I like it. I think it's cool. <laughs> I like it. I, I, I actually worked with Heidi Klum for many, many years. I like it. I think it's a bit... Sometimes their challenges are ridiculous. But guess what? The modeling industry can be like that. Do you know sometimes I would have to go and see the same client three and four times because they just want to see how I look that day? It can be that silly. The industry. Wow. I know. Describe, yeah. describe the day-to-day the -day of a typical emerging model, like somebody that has not mm -hmm. had a, their first campaign as yet. Basically, the uh, first thing that will be done is, you know, you got to do photo shoots and get yourself a compilation of at least 10 to 15 great shots, get a comp card. Then you're going to go on auditions, one after the other. You're going to get sent, if you have a good agent, to the top people that, that your agent puts together a game plan for you. Let's say your your face is really gorgeous and you have great hair. Of course, it's going to send you to all of the beauty department places. All of anything that has to do with beauty, you're going to go and you're going to have to look fresh, be on, know who what you what you have to say, answer the questions, take the directions and look beautiful. You know what I mean? If you're a runway model, it's even more intense. You have to travel now. You have to travel to all the different markets when it's, it's fashion season and audition in all these different countries, not even knowing if you're going to get a gig. <laughs> so it's intense. It's a lot of auditions. You have to audition, audition. And then when you start booking, it just starts to snowball because people will find out, oh, that, you know, Wendy got booked for this campaign. Then all of a sudden, another company is going to be like, oh, well, she did, the sales were great. Okay, let me get her. And it just snowballs like that. Yeah. You talk a lot about your print experience. Have you done a lot of runway? No, I haven't done a lot of runway. I, w I was always scared of runway because I'm a smiler, and it's so hard for me. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I went, um, I did one of a huge show. I'm trying to remember the name of the designer. Oh, my goodness. Um, anyway, I can't remember his name. Um, I should, that's terrible. But I went up there and people were like so excited and happy. So I started waving at, to the audience. <laughs> and my agent was like, don't you ever, ever do that again. But guess what? My picture was in the newspaper and it was like, look at that girl. She's so happy. We love it. <laughs> but the designer didn't love it so much. So <laughs> talk, talk about models who do print versus um, runway. Uh, I think the difference is um, with, with runway, it's all about your body shape, okay? You have to basically be the right measurements for those garments, and you have to know how to work that garment, okay? So it's more about an internal um, thing. Like, you got to be like a superhero when you're on that runway. When you're a print girl, it's more about personality. When you're sitting in the chair getting your makeup done, you've got to make jokes with the clients. You have to be, like, animated and, you know, all that energy, um, so the difference to me is an energy. One is more internal. I think the runway girl is more like a fierce feline walking down. And then the print girl, she's out there 
smiling, laughing, jumping, you know, doing whatever she, she can do to keep the client happy, make the clothes look good, m- movement, you know what I mean? All that. Yeah. Make it more human, I guess. Exactly, yeah. What was your most embarrassing moment <laughs> as a model? Oh, most embarrassing. Mm. I guess falling on the runway. <laughs> yeah. Where did it happen? It happened in England. I was doing, um, thank God it wasn't live. It was a video um, um, thing, thank God. But I did fall. It was highly embarrassing. They got it on tape and they used it. <laughs> high heels or? High, high heels, yeah. yeah. What made you fall in love with Angela? Um, the island and a man. A special man, yeah. <laughs> Talk a little bit about Wendy Brooks, the entrepreneur. Oh wow! Well, I can't. I decided that um, I got pretty lucky in real estate in Canada, so I made some decisions. Came here, came to Anguilla, and I'm starting um, with my fiance. Um, uh, charter boat uh, business and I'm trying to get into photography I'm trying to get into my painting I'm trying to get my creative side out like I need to release that part of me and with the charter boat I just want to give people a really great experience like what I've experienced here I want to change someone's life I want them to come to Anguilla and say wow what an amazing experience I had with their family or with their loved one or whatever the case may be and that would just make me feel really good. Yeah. What is the best advice you've ever gotten? Professionally. Mm. Always, like, if, you know, let's just say you have to move on and you have to change something. Always leave that door just gently closed. Don't close it all the way because you never know when you have to come back. Because I'll tell you, there's so many times where I have changed modeling agencies because the industry's changed or my agent moved to another agency. And you know, I've always been able to go back. I could even go back to modeling right now if I wanted to. Do you know what I mean? Because I left a good impression everywhere I went. So to me, it's, you know, always leave a good impression and never, never leave like, like an asshole. <laughs> leave on good terms, you know? Yeah. What's the best advice that you can give okay. to anybody, especially in the fashion industry? You know, if you have a fresh face okay. from Angola, what's the best advice you can give to them? Find out, find out where it is for whatever it is that you're doing that is flourishing. Try to get connected with those situations, those people, those places, and really do the work every day. Do something every day towards your goal. And if someone comes to you, with most, most people, what happens, you know, you get a little, especially if you have talent. If you have talent and it's obvious, people are going to approach you. Move forward with it. Don't keep second-guessing yourself. You know, believe. 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 And finally, you might have answered this before, what's next for Wendy? Oh, wow. Um... What's next? I, I think photography, design, um, graphic arts, um, hopefully helping people. I would love to help people to get in the industry if they're serious. Um, possibly an agency. 
definitely um, boat business. <laughs> That's a given. But be, really, I'm just like the hustler behind the scenes on that one. But really, arts, anything related to arts and um, encouraging young, beautiful women and, and men that if you really want to get in the industry, there's a way, but you have to do the work. I'm all for that. Anything else you want to say? Um, it was nice having you here in my house. <laughs> it was nice of you coming and, nice and, and including me in this. And I'm grateful. Thank you. Well. Okay. <laughs> I am Crispin Brooks, and this is Planet 30. Thank you for listening to this episode of Planet 30. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at OnPlanet30. Like us on Facebook.com slash Planet30. Our email address is OnPlanet30 at gmail.com. That's O-N-P-L-A-N-E-T-T-H-I-R-T-Y at gmail.com. For more information about Planet 30, visit our website, planet30.com. That's P-L-A-N-E-T-T-H-I-R-T-Y dot com.